This is Chris Coppola, and you're listening to Monday Morning Critic. Christmas Eve many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound, a sound I was afraid I'd never hear. to the North Pole, of course. This is the Polar Express! In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. The variety and quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. My next guest filmography includes the fantastic Ray Donovan, Polar Express, Beowulf, and so many more. Please welcome Chris Coppola. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely, Derek. Thanks for having me. Chris, I feel like the next person that asks you if you're part of the Coppola family, you're going to punch in the face. <laughs> you know what? Not not at all. It's it's um, It ends up, you know, especially early on, in my career, you know, any reason to keep talking in an, in an audition is a, is a good one. You know what I mean? So if it gets you in the door a little bit and gets the conversation started, um, you know, it, it ends up being a really good thing. So, um, you know, I'm not, uh, there's a, there's a long sort of story, but it's the, the, the short answer is no, I don't go to Thanksgiving 
and I'm not family. And I've worked with in and around family. I've worked with Jason Schwartzman, who is uh, Talia Shire's son, who is a Coppola Shire. Um, I think she's Francis Ford Coppola's sister. Um, and I've uh, I've ran into the other gentleman who's who we share a name, Christopher Coppola. He goes by Christopher and he's Nick Cage's brother um, who is uh, a Coppola. Yep. And, and it's worked out, like you said, and we're going to get this out of the way because I know you've, you've talked about this to your blue in the face, and I, and I don't want to make this the heart of the interview for your sanity. Um, but it's worked for you and to, not really against you, but it's for you, like you said, it opened up some doors, but it's also worked <laughs> against you. Didn't you get served with paperwork aimed for somebody no, else? Absolutely. So, and it was, it was the, the latter that I just mentioned, Christopher. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is pre cell phone, right? Pre well, not pre-cell phone, but pre-pre-smartphone. Um, so I was coming out of acting class uh, in the middle of the day in Los Angeles, and you know, in a you know, not a not a bad neighborhood where my car was parked. It was in a, a residential kind of area, and you know, I wasn't really paying attention. But there was a there was a gentleman parked across the street. You know, I I think we made eye contact. I can't remember. And I you know, I opened my door. He he seemed. Um, you know, very neutral, didn't seem threatening in any way, shape or form. And, uh, I opened my car, I, I, I opened my door and I look over and he's getting out of his car and I rolled down my window cause we make eye contact. It looked like he was going to, you know, I don't know, ask me for directions or something. <laughs> and he says, are you Chris Copeland? I'm like, and I just started my career. So I'm like, I, I guess he recognizes me from a commercial or something. Um, I said, yeah, I am. And he threw an envelope in my car. It landed on my passenger seat through my my driver's window, and he goes, "You've been served." And I just, <laughs> I just froze. I just didn't even, I didn't think to say anything to him. It was so, it just sort of took me by complete off guard, and I didn't know if it was a bomb. I didn't know what it was. I just, I just stared at it for a good minute. I opened it up and loosely, you know, flipped through it. And it turned out that Christopher Coppola was being sued for like a naming rights thing for his new production company or something. Um, so it was something wasn't really, you know, it was a, it was more of a, um, you know, it was just more, it wasn't anything big. It wasn't, you know, anything uh, serious. It was just a, a naming rights thing. And so I called the law firm and then I was pissed and I was like, you know, your, your PI is horrible. <laughs> he, apparently he had followed me for a couple days which is creepy in itself. Like scary, like I was being tailed, <laughs> and um, and yeah, he he threw these in there, and I had to prove I wasn't Chris Coppola, if that makes any fucking sense. <laughs> um, and it was just the weirdest thing in the world, and uh, yeah, and uh, I had to send them my light. It was so stupid. It was so stupid. Um, so is there somebody that you get confused with? Forget name, but how about the way you your looks? Is there somebody that you're often confused with in the world of acting? I don't. I don't know. Not really. No, I don't get um, in the world of acting or in like the way I look. No, not really. I, you know, I'm one of those actors where I've done enough stuff now over the last 20 years where I'm a character enough where I get, do I know you from high school or, you know what I mean? I get that. Like I get people squinting at me. I don't, you know, I, I like to, you know, I like to look different, you know, in my, in my parts. I don't like to look like, Chris, if I don't have to. Um, so, you know, if I can, you know, do my hair differently or get a haircut or brush it differently, if I can grow some facial hair, um, I will. If Anything I can do to change my, my look 
Um, I don't know if you could, um, I'll send you my acting reel if you like after this interview and you'll see that like one of the things I'm most, you know, proud of is, is my sort of way of, of, uh, you know, um, disguising myself, you know, um, that's how I got on, on, uh, I have a funny, uh, can I tell you how I got on Ray Donovan? Absolutely. So, so, uh, I'm one of like two or three people that just got a straight offer onto Ray Donovan. It doesn't really happen because it's sort of the actors, actors show kind of thing, right? It's known for its acting. And so, um, uh, apparently, Liev Schreiber, well, not apparently, he was directing the first episode of the new season. So the director obviously gets to choose, you know, cast. And so uh, this is pre-COVID and Liev didn't want to – he's like, I hate auditions. This is him speaking to the casting director. I don't, I don't like auditions. Um, it's it's really kind of uncomfortable. And they are. Um, you know, and an actor knows that. Uh, he's like, I don't want to sit through all that. And he's like, can I just look at – you know, uh, demo reels, you know, actors, demo reels. And so he got inundated from the casting director, like a bunch of them. And, uh, he was like, ah, Jesus, man, this is him telling me this story. Um, he goes, so I didn't know what to look at. There was just so many. He's like, he started getting frustrated. Like, this is just going to, this is going to be daunting. And so he goes, look at this bozo. His name is Chris Coppola. Uh, let me click on this asshole. Like he said, he was just super frustrated and pissed off. And he kind of clicked on mine because the name was a little recognizable. And he was like, let's see what this asshole's done. And so he clicked on mine and he was like, holy shit, this is great. So he watched it a few times and he's like, this guy can do exactly what I want. And so he called casting and he said, I like to cast Chris Coppola. Wow. And they said, wait, 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 wait. We sent you a hundred reels. He's like, nah, I'm not watching 100 reels. I clicked on this guy. Have you seen his reel? And so Casting's like, you sure you don't want me to put him on tape? You sure you don't want me to, you know, jump through the normal hoops that an actor jumps through? And he said, no. And so Casting called my agent and manager and said, Chris is on hold for, you know, Ray Donovan. And then uh, about a day later, I think he probably had to get a check from you know, the up, uh, you know, people above him in, at Showtime. And uh, and it, it, it worked out. And, and then uh, two days later, casting is calling me and they connect me to, like, I'm on the phone with Liev. And he's like, so, man, here's the deal. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on, bro. And he's like, so you've been casting Ray Donovan. You're going to play this guy, Larry. I saw your acting reel. I love it so much. And basically what your reel told me was you can do – anything so i i'm just gonna trust you to do the role bring what you want to it and then i'll just i'll just you know direct you as we go and and that's just kind of how it went down he and for a while he told people it was the best acting reel he had ever seen which it's not but because leah gave it its stamp of approval <laughs> um you know the industry was you know a little bit of buzz there for a second thinking my acting reel was like the greatest thing that's ever been made um, which the only thing I do differently in my acting reel is, you know, I have enough work now where I made it more like, um, I made my reel like a trailer for a movie, but the movie's me. And so as opposed to most acting reels have the person's name and then it shows a scene from a show and then another scene from a show. And there's kind of like a, you know, a black edit in between each one. And they're, they're kind of, you know, standardized. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. I just wanted to. I just wanted to have fun. And so 
I found an editor to put it together for me and I spent a little bit of money and look, I like it. So, and it worked, it got me a job, but, um, some casting directors aren't a huge fan of it. Some, but I don't, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not that I'm trying to offend them. I just, I just, you know, want you know, show you what I can do because there's a lot I can do as an actor that I don't think an acting reel, which usually just shows, you know, two people talking, right. Or yelling or crying or laughing or whatever it is they're doing. I'm a really physical actor and I like that and I'm proud of that. So, you know, I have a scene of me like falling off a boat and a scene of me jumping on a horse and, and I, you know, I, I like to show my athleticism, even though I'm not the most athletic looking dude, I'm, I'm a very physical person and actually very coordinated. And so I just like to show that off a little bit in my reel. And so, um, so that's what she, that's, that's what Liev saw. And you, you see me, disguised you see me doing different accents dialects and that's the other thing i like to you know show off or or, or showcase when i send my reel yeah and i think the ray donovan movie is right around the corner um and it's a it's a great show um uh, liev is obviously the voice of hard knocks in the nfl um he's so good as ray um you know a guy obviously you said can, can direct can act he, he just seems like such a good dude chris Oh, uh, you know, really great dude. And my experience with Ray Donovan is so unique because we filmed in Prim, Nevada, right? We found the, I don't know if you're familiar with California and Nevada border, but there's a, you know, right as you cross the border going into Nevada, there's a couple of casinos right off the side of the road. They're, they are shitholes, right? <laughs> they're, for your, they're for your desperate gamblers, right? Or, you know, either people leaving Nevada or going to Nevada, right? All headed toward Vegas, but this is not Vegas. Um, you're not supposed to stay there more than six hour kind of place. We stayed there for two and a half weeks and it was super weird. Um, the only the only good news was everyone was doing it right. The whole cast. So, you know, John Voight staying at the crappy hotel with us and and Liev is staying in his his motor home outside. And, you know, it was kind of a dump. Um, and we had run of this casino, which was incredible. We got to see the the dark side of casino life for sure, um, which was you know part of what Ray Don you know makes Ray Donovan so good. Yeah, yeah, it's well said. And you know, um, I, I was going over a lot of your filmography. Is there? And I hate asking this question, but I feel like, oh. uh, but I, I, I sometimes I feel like it's a, it's a necessary question. Is there a part in your filmography that you're partial to? Like you mentioned, you, you know, you're piggybacking off your your demo reel. Is there something that uh, a specific entry that you're most proud of? I mean, I guess maybe that's a a loaded question because I don't want to isolate you from no, other great no, projects no, no, no. you've done. It's a it's a great question, and you know, it doesn't doesn't limit me to. Um, any, you know, listen, there's, there's certain experiences when you're making something regardless of it, of its success level, that is just, you know, when you're in your car driving home, you're like, well, that's really what I signed up for as an actor. Mm. You know, it's, uh, it's got great people in it. It's a, uh, it's a creative process. Um, it's fun. And of recently, um, one that stands out as too old to die young, which did not do anything. I don't think anyone watched it. And it's a little, it's a little strange. It's on Amazon Prime, but um, I play Miles Teller's. Uh, I kind of his partner. Um, we're both police officers, uh, but Nicholas Winden Refn directed the whole series, right? The guy who directed Drive, and so that was a super. You know, it was really wonderful to work with such. Um, you know, Nick is an incredible director. 
Um, and Miles is a, you know, really interesting actor and an incredible actor. And um, there was just a, you know, it was just a really, I got a lot of my, I had no leash on me, so to speak. Right. I was able to, um, I improvised a lot. Like I, what I do normally is I don't, um, it, I, I'll improvise some stuff, right. Even in, even in the auditions, if I feel like it works. And so, but what I do when I get an audition is I, I try not to look at who's making it because I feel like it adds nerves to you, mm. right? Like it makes you more nervous if you know you're auditioning for Steven Spielberg versus auditioning for you, say, right? Right. Everyone mm. would get more nervous, you know, working with an accomplished director versus a first time director. And so I, I, you know, I look at what's going on, but I don't really pay attention to it. I just look at the part. And so this part screamed at me right away. And so I, you know, I auditioned, actually, coincidentally, I auditioned during Christmas break and I almost didn't do the audition because I think I did it like on the 23rd of December, but it was really short and it was really easy. And I knew the character. Sometimes it just, it just lights up and I know it. Anyway, I go and I do it and I change, I change like most of the dialogue. Um, and I go to the audition and there's Nicholas Wendon, uh, Wendon Refn. And he's like, um, are you, uh, you know, and I, and I still don't really know who he is. Right. Like I'm not, I've not put two and two together. I know he's got an accent and he's from some foreign country. And, um, I got, and I, I'm just feeling a little, you know, it's the new year. It was around this time of year, like the third, the fourth or the fifth. And I was like, you know, I've rewritten this scene. He goes, Oh, have you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, I just think it, it makes more sense the way I have it. Um, I go, well, let's, let's, let me show you. And, we did it and he liked it and, and he likes to like work on your auditions, like the auditions, like 45 minutes with him. And, uh, and it was great. So when I get the part, um, it was, it was really great. He came up to me cause I improvised some stuff and he said, you can rewrite your stuff all you want. I'm not going to edit you at all. If I don't like it, I'll say something, but right now you've been dead on on everything. So, um, so just keep doing it. Wow. So, so that was just – it was such a fun show to do because Miles is playing a guy who's um, – you know, doesn't speak a lot, right? He's sort of a vigilante that's uh, trying to right some wrongs in the world. Uh, the show is super strange. Um, it's one of those shows that I've, that I've done and that's sort of the curse of my career where I've done these shows that, you know, I think maybe this is going to be the one that's going to get me noticed to, to take me to the next level. And, um, and sure enough, it's not. Um, but I, I just had such a great time making that. Um, it was so weird. I mean, at one point, we reenact the crucifixion in the police office, and I pull a curtain off the rod, and I, I'm Mary Magdalene screaming, and the chief of police is playing Jesus. And it's, <laughs> it's just so fucking out there and so weird. And Nick... Nick does some really great stuff where he does a lot. Like I'm, he does like 22 takes. Like he does a lot, a lot of takes. And for, for people listening to this, uh, you know, a lot of takes is normally six. So doing 22 is kind of unheard of. Wow. Um, so, I mean, he, he just does a lot, a lot of takes and, and he's just looking for, I think, and cause he never answered the question I asked him, but I think he's just looking for something surprising. You know, an actor can get in, um, into like a kind of groove on how he speaks the, the lines. Um, and, and this, uh, I remember doing the, the Mary Magdalene thing of all things. And 
I think around the 18th or 19th, like I, I actually cried hmm. and he, he loved it. Like, even though we were being silly, right. It was meant to be kind of funny, but then the character cried. And I, I think, I think that's the kind of stuff that, that Nick is, is going after with a lot of takes. And I was all game, you know, I mean, I know some people don't like a lot of takes, but I, I think, you know, that's what makes that kind of experience fun. You know what I mean? So that, that was one of the ones that stuck out for me um, of late and, and every experience, man, I have a great time, man. You know, I had a great time doing wimpy kid. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the that, that's sort of the, the, the two parts of my career. I'm either a weirdo in a kid's movie <laughs> or I'm a weirdo in an adult movie. And it's not much difference. Just one's played with a little bit of a smile and the other one doesn't smile at all. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, you, you, I was going to ask you about, you know, experience with, with actors. Because in your demo reel, um, it leads off, I, I want to say, with Zach Galifianakis. Uh, you have a scene with him. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I want to ask you about him in a moment. But you mentioned Miles Teller, right? You hear things, right? Other people say, oh, he's a prick. Other people say he's a, I mean, he is a phenomenal actor. That's not up for debate. And I know you've had experiences working with Ted Levine and, and Ray and Donovan, who Ted Levine, for those listening, is Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs, if you have to put a face to a, a role. Um, so working with actors, whether it's Miles or Ted, is it a mixed bag, do you feel like, Chris? I mean, obviously you're not there to get autographs and pictures. You're yeah. there you're to do a job. But is 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 it a mixed bag with 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 how things turn out? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the first and foremost the thing you have to do is just be professional, right? Yeah. I think you know when you when you when you show up on a set and you're a new actor, you know, and you you show up on a professional set in the sense of that there's going to be someone there that's recognizable or famous. You know, it hits you, man. You're like, oh shit, there's so and so, and you know, so and so knows that they're recognizable, right? Like when I did Polar Express. Tom Hanks is so pro that he must have looked over the casting sheet and knew my name, right? Because he came up to me and said, Chris Coppola, hey, Tom Hanks, hey, can we get a picture together, man? My wife is going to think this is awesome because we were doing mocap and it was the first time mocap was really being done. And so the photographs were really cool that we were taking, right? We all have those little dots on our face and, and he just disarms the whole thing. Right. So you automatically feel comfortable. You ought to automatically feel welcome. Whereas someone like Miles. Yeah, he has a reputation, but Miles is cool, man. He's just pro. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and that's the thing is like, you know, I don't go in there to make friends. Like you said, you know, I'm, I'm there to I'm there. Like if we, if we become friends. Awesome. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm willing to. If you want to just work. Awesome. You know, Ted Levine's one of those saltier, older actors that does. There's no, you know, Ted. There's no bullshit with Ted. If you know, Ted uses words like you're a pussy if you can't handle certain shit. Mm. And and he's right. You know what I mean? Like Ted's Ted's a hard-nosed dude, but he's also an incredible actor. He's incredible. Uh I was so lucky to be working with him and watching him and watching his process and 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 he's so intense. Um, you know, acting to me is a little like a sport, you know what I mean? Like, you know that when, when they say things like, you know, you if you were a rookie and you got into a basketball game with with Michael Jordan, he ain't treating you like a rookie. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's yeah, not yeah. he's not pussyfooting around. He's gonna hit you, right? He's gonna check you, mm -hmm. he's gonna steal the ball from you. And that's how these pros are. I mean, Tom Hanks, nice guy and all, but when it was time to act, like 
he came at me full speed. You know what I mean? So you got to go full speed. Like if you're tiptoeing around and, and sort of oohing and on at who you're working with, it's not going to get you too far. What you really got to go in there, know your shit, and, and bring something to the table, and people are usually really stoked about that. You know what I mean? That's, that's been my experience. And sometimes, listen, Ray Donovan's, Ray Donovan's not the most friendly place in the world. It's a very grown-up set. Right. If, you know, most actors, you know, if you're looking for them to say at cut, hey, great job, they don't do that there. They say cut, and then they all go huddle around the monitor. They talk about what they want to do, and then they give you notes. There's no pats on the back. It's not like a, a, a TV show on any of the number of networks that when, you know, you're done, everyone's like eating quesadillas with mango on them and talking about their weekend. It's not, it's not that show. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it is It is a grown-up place. Um, and don't think you're going to get complimented because you're not. I mean, it's um, – and I knew that afterwards. So when I did Too Old to Die Young – I just expected that it was a little more neutral. It was a little more friendly, um, but not super, you know, Nick was always, you know, doing his thing. And, you know, I just brought my A game toward miles and, um, you know, after about, I think about three weeks, I think I did four episodes on that show. Uh, about like episode two or three miles started, you know, chatting me up and, you know, we're just talking about sports and, things like that and getting to know one another a little bit. I mean, I'm sure if it was something that had gone on and, you know, we probably would have became friendly after about a year or two, but that's fine. That's, that's how it works, you know? Yeah. And when you, when you talk about meeting Tom Hanks and I'm going to touch upon Polar Express in a moment, um, you know, you meet him, you, you talk, you have your dialogue, you work together. Is it, is it tough coming off? I don't want to call it a high. Maybe I can. Is it tough coming off a situation like that where it's like you're at the top of the mountain, you're 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 acting with, in my opinion, the greatest actor in the history of of movies and television, and you're you're acting with him, and then the next project might not as not be as 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 prestigious, right? Is it tough to to have that roller coaster ride, Chris? So like one one day you're 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 in you're doing dialogue dialogue with Hanks. The next day, and not to put anybody else down in another project, but you're you're in something different, not as sure, not no, as not as esteemed. Is that tough? Yeah, one hundred percent, man. I mean, it's like you know, that's that's the you know, because I'm not a recognizable face by any by any stretch. I mean, I probably get recognized. I don't know, maybe twice a year. Uh, you know, I don't know. I did. I don't get recognized. You know, that often enough to to make me feel like I've been you know done enough projects. Um, but yeah, it's hard to do like the AA list projects. And then, um, I don't do student films anymore, but let's say I do like a, you know, a little, little low budget something, you know, that's a pile of squirt, you know? Um, but you know, it's also a job, you know I mean? I talked about that with Tom, like, you know, a lot of projects, you know, I do to, to, to make my insurance or to, to, to just have residual, you know, cause mostly how I make my money is, you know, residuals become like a revenue stream for me, right? I've done enough where, you know, sometimes I'm getting a, a nice size check and sometimes I'm getting a check for 11 cents. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just, you know, yeah, it, it's difficult. And, and, you know, that, but that's, it's two-sided, right? I can, there's, there's days when I'm like, shit, I don't know how much longer you can take of this. And there's also days where I'm like, I'm one audition away because I am. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's right. I mean, and, and you got a strong filmography to back that up. 
Um, any coincidence, uh, Chris, working for Zemeckis and Beowulf and Polar Express, was that circumstance coincidence? Was that meant to – how did that work out for you? No, so that, that worked out just how you would think it worked out. You know, Bob has a group of people called um, the Zulu group, right, with Zemeckis. It's like his sort of like tribe, right? Yep. And when I did Polar, um, I got my, my production jacket, right, you know, my, my production gift. Yep. And on mine, special, and they told me, uh, one of the, the first ADs, he's like, I don't know if you noticed, but you have a Zulu patch on yours. And I said, oh, yeah, there it is. And he goes, that means you're Zulu. That means you'll work with us again. And I, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, yeah, right. Um, and, you know, Polar was one of those experiences driving home where it was just like everything was great. You know what I mean? I'm working with with Bob and, and, and Tom and Michael Jeter and Peter Scolari and – and Nona Gay and all these incredible people and we're writing, you know, we're singing Christmas songs and it was it was just an incredible experience. We were doing cutting edge technology and then I don't know, I think it was like three or four years later, um, where um Bob's assistant called me and asked if I could do a British accent and it just so happened I, I could. I you know, I was working on it in an acting class. And they said, hey, would you come down and, and read uh, for Beowulf? Um, the casting director called me and said, hey, can you come over? And so I went over. And, and yeah, I mean, I, it was just like it was done and done. Like I knew I was going to get the part, assuming I was close. Um, and it didn't matter anyway because they had a dialect coach. But I think Bob just wanted to see if I could if I could do it. You know what I mean? Um, if I could do the British accent or if it was going to be like, you know, Lived in cement blocks and uh, yeah, no, I, I got it, you know, basically cause I had done polar and also cause I was really familiar with mocap and how that worked. And, um, you know, when I got polar, I got a phone call cause I auditioned for polar and then I didn't get the part for six months. Yeah. Um, and I got a call and I was out to lunch with my, my acting teacher and my agent called me and said, Bob Zemeckis wants to talk to you about this movie you auditioned for. And I go, I don't even remember what the movie is. And I remembered it. It was, I remember going in to play a nine year old boy. And I remember, you know, I, I like went full method at the time. I was wearing like kids' pajamas. And um, I remember having a bad audition. And I remember like, you know, being really upset with myself. Um, and it's so funny because actors think that, you know, certain, you know, actors get hung up on things like I messed up that line. And, um, but I don't know if you've, you've never met me. So I'm really childlike. And I think that's what Bob saw. Mm. I'm very much like a big kid. And so I think he just, he saw that. And then he, when I talked to him, when I went to the office, he basically asked me a couple, he's like, are you, do you, you know, can I trust you? to be here every day. And I said, yeah, he goes, no, I mean, do you like do drugs or do you drink a lot? And I said, no, not really. You know, no more than the average person. He goes, okay, good. He goes, and you know, we're going to be working really long hours and I'm going to be having you come in at like 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. Can you handle that for, you know, three months? And I said, yeah, that'll be fine. And he said, okay, great. You got the gig. Um, and that was how that worked. And by the time we got to Beowulf, the technology had changed and, the call times had changed a little bit and that was a totally different group. Um, you know, we had John Malkovich, we had Anthony Hopkins, we had Robin Wright, we had, we had Ray Winston, we had Brendan Gleason, we had Crispin Glover. And it was just like the smorgasbord of crazies. Um, it was ne ne so Chris, I've never heard of any of those people. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's so much fun. I mean, it, you know, Anthony Hopkins is is just like Tom in the sense of, you know, he's like, oh, please, just call me Tony. And uh, just the most, I mean, just telling you everything about the business, about acting. Uh, John Malkovich, who seems like he would be totally off-putting, is the complete opposite, the coolest dude in the world. Um, Ray Winston is about as fun as it gets. Brendan Gleeson is awesome. Loved to smack me in the head every day. That was like this <laughs> thing he liked to do. Um, it was so much fun. You know, we were riding horses inside the stage. It was it was a blast. How weird is it that you've worked with Anthony Hopkins, who was uh, uh, um, in Silence of the Lambs, and Ted Levine, um, who was also in Silence of the Lambs? The two, I guess evil portions of that movie, right? Uh, I can't imagine those two bad. I don't think they had any scenes together. No, they didn't. But no, no. so intense, man. He is one of the most intense dudes you'll ever meet. Um, he's, uh, he's Hannibal just, Lecter and Buffalo Bill. I, I just put that. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just, that's kind of a cool little thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I didn't even think of that, you know? Um, yeah, they're both, um, one's just, a, one's just a salty pro who does not like to have any chit chat. And, uh, you know, I do like to have chit chat. So it took us a while to figure out how to work together. Um, because I wasn't going to change, you know, I just, all right, you don't want to chit chat with me. Fine. I'll chit chat with the crew. Mm. Um, so, and that, you know, that just, Ted doesn't like that. Ted's, Ted's more old school and he's entitled to that. And, um, and, you know, by the – I think the second episode, though, we found our groove. And, and I, I know he always respected me as, a, as an actor. Like, you know, I'm bringing my, bringing my work to my scenes and doing a good job. So um, so there was never a problem there. And by the time we were done, you know, we had had a – you know, we were friends. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking of um, Polar Express, you know, um, I, when you click on the Polar Express page, because I was rewatching it for the holidays, just one of the classics – and you know when I when I you know when you call up the page when you bring up the page of Polar Express, your name is sandwiched in between uh, Tom Hanks and um, Michael Jeter, which has to be a good feeling, right? Yeah, I just it's so funny. I just went to a, a screening of Polar um, with all it was sort of like a reunion. One of the effects guys that like was heads up the the mo- motion capture stuff. He like branched off to start making video games and. And they were testing their screening room over there at their new space in Playa del Rey. And this was just last week. And he called me and said, hey, Christy, you want to come down for a screening? A bit of a reunion. And I said, sure, man. You know, because you become friends with everybody on the crew, not just the actors. Um, and if anything, I, I usually become friends with crew more. Uh, they tend to be a little more fun and, uh, you know, just, just fun to hang out with. Anyway, all the guys that did all the mocap and stuff were there and we were all catching up and and they were telling me some great, you know, stories of, of what, what they were going through, right? Um, because they were in uncharted territory in terms of the technology. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was – and then the, the, this harkens back to that question you asked. Like, how does that feel to go from that movie to then doing, you know, a $500 movie, right, with, with no money and, you know, my trailer is my car. Um, right, and, right, right, right. You know, but, you know – at at the end of the day, it's like 
I thought, you know, when you do a movie like Polar, you know, you think you're going to, you know, in your, your career starting out, you think, well, this is it. You know, there's no other place to go, but just keep going up. And, right. and you know, and it's one of those lessons you learn as an actor, you know, coming up. You know, you just learn that that that, that is what's going to be the thing. I mean, there are, you know, the roller coasters is hard. You know, I mean, one of the things, because I teach an acting class every now and then, and one of the things I really preach is, if you can be consistent, and what I mean by consistent is just stay here, um, you have a chance because everyone has a little bit of talent. I mean, every so often I run into an actor who has like no business acting, but hardly ever. Right. Like everyone, everyone has it. And if you have the ability to to be disciplined to try it and do it and work at it, you're going to be decent. And you know, it's it's just part of the the journey though is is learning how to be consistent here. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really well said, um, and, and I get that. Um, you know, we, we talked about Hanks and, and Michael Jeter, by the way. There's a Green Mile connection there. Boy, I, I'm putting a lot of stuff together, Chris. I feel like uh, Goodwill Hunting over here by the chalkboard. I, <laughs> but, uh, um, so, you know, I wanted to ask you, um, we, we talked about your um, filmography, and I did want to ask you uh, two more entries, and I want to talk a bit about your life. Um it's too bad that Agent Carter got canceled because I met Haley Atwell in Seattle in nineteen. She seems like a, she seems like a really great person. That project I thought was was fun. It's too bad it didn't stick around. I I I loved doing that project, and I wasn't at the time into Marvel. I am now because my daughter's super into it. Nice. I've been, I've been indoctrinated into like the Marvel world, and I realized just what a cool opportunity I did have. And I didn't even, I didn't even really realize it. To me, it was just another show, right? The only two shows that I've done that I've actually watched the shows, like they were shows I watched were Ray Donovan. And I just recently did an episode of Barry. And so those are the only two shows I've ever watched that I've done that I know I'll just stumble across my work. Right. Um, I usually don't even, you know, agent Carter just was like, I didn't even know what it was. And, when I got it, you know, they're so top secret, they wouldn't give me my pages. And yeah. so, like, listen, I'm still old school. I like to have pages, like actual paper. And they're like, okay, well, listen, you can – we'll print it for you here. I go, that's fine. I go, I don't need the script. I just need my scenes. And so um, – but it was such a – it was such an incredible moment to be working on the Universal lot which is, you know, fun to do. That just feels cool. And I'm dressed like in like forties clothes and like, it's just sort of, it just, I don't know, man. I just remember I had this really like, you know, wonderful like moment of gratitude being on that show because I remember like being done one night and I was walking, you know, from the stage to my trailer and I could hear my, my, you know, my hard sold shoes walking, they were echoing and I had that cool hat and the suit and I was just like, fuck, this is so cool. <laughs> this is so cool, dude. Mm-hmm. This is a great, this is a great part. And, yeah, and I do think that that, again, this is just luck, man. Uh, you know, w- w- you had a project with Zach Galifianakis, right? Does his, so as somebody that's very, has a very dry, sarcastic sense of humor, um, sometimes it's so dry that people just think I'm an a-hole. Um, do, does he, is he turn it on and off, Chris? Is Or, or is he like... Well, I was really lucky because I met Zach before he was famous. Right. 
So Zach and I are making this weird movie. And that, but he that, did a stand-up career. Was this was this in that ballpark? Was this like during his stand-up career before his acting? Yeah, but Visioneers is a pretty cool little movie, man. It's Absolutely. A little, it's a little long in the tooth, but other than that, it's a really cool movie. And yeah. uh, the director and I are still friends, Jared Drake. Um, it, it's a really great little movie. And Zach would, you know, we'd be done with, I remember it was like the one time, this is after Polar, I was like, I didn't know who Zach was. He wasn't famous yet. And Jared would give us like really, you know, when the scenes we were doing were in an office and Jared would give me direction like, okay, so this time you're like at a top of a mountain and you're thinking of jumping off. And I'd be like, what the fuck is happening? right?" <laughs> and then Zach, we'd get done with the take and Zach would go, did he give you the direction about being on the mountain? And I'd be like, yeah, did you get that? He goes, yeah, I got it last week. <laughs> I go, do you have any idea what's happening right now? He goes, no, I have no idea. No idea whatsoever. He goes, you're really funny. I go, you are too, man. Um, so Zach and I hit it off to a point where it was – we were making that movie during Labor Day and uh, we were shooting in, in Washington. And my friend lives in the Cascades, like a buddy I went to high school with. So I was going to rent a car during the three-day weekend and go see him. And Zach loves the mountains and stuff like that. And so Zach's like, can I go with you? And I'm like, I guess. I mean, I have to check with my buddy, but I'm, I'm sure he won't care. And then he comes over to me at like lunch and goes, I can't go. And I go, oh, what happened? He goes, oh, I'm I'm the main. He, he's like, I'm doing stand-up this weekend. I go, oh, man. I didn't know you were stand-up. And I didn't, I again, I, that's that thing. I don't look people up. Right. I don't, you know, and I go, I didn't know you were a stand-up. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, I'm doing this show down by the water. And so I told the director, I goes, apparently Zach's doing a show. He goes, oh, my God. Did he tell you he's doing a show? He's headlining this, like, <laughs> this huge, like, music festival. Jesus. program and, like, a couple of other people. And I'm like, are you shitting me? He goes, dude, have you not looked him up? I go, no. He goes, he's about to become huge and i go i had no idea and then that summer like came it had our movie come out after hangover everyone would know what visioneers is but our movie came out before hangover and it came out like three weeks before and zach you could even probably look it up he went on letterman to push hangover right and he even brings a DVD of Visioneers because <laughs> he liked the movie so much. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Dave is like, oh, yeah, and there's this movie. We're going to commercial. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was such bad timing um, because I, I don't know why they didn't just hold the movie off for a year and then release it. But, you know, it, it is what it is. But he was so much fun to work with. and And, and that seems to be – you know, I have this a lot where actors or, or and or comedians think I'm hilarious. And and they, they keep all telling me it's just a matter of time, Chris. There's a, a comedian, Chris Spencer, um, who thinks I'm about the funniest thing going on. Um, Zach thinks I'm funny. Uh, Ken Marino, when we were doing Agent Carter, is like, dude, you are very funny. Um, so I, I tend to make comedians laugh. Hopefully someday I'll make the whole world laugh. Um, but I just, you know, I just keep doing my thing, man. Yeah, you certainly are. Um, so in your, in your brief, 
um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your brief visit or your brief entry into the Marvel universe. Um, any favorite characters or favorite movies that that hit you right away? Uh, I know you said your daughter and you, yeah, you kinda, no, like my daughter's really indoctrinated me into the whole thing, and so we've just really been that's cool catching up. I mean, right now, I mean, I do like the the Shang Chi world. I thought that was really cool, and um, you know, I, I was. You know, obviously I saw Iron Man and stuff like that, you know, so but I've gone back and like um like I'm loving the Thor movies. Oh, and my, that's great. my daughter's really into it. Like she got uh last Christmas she got the Marvel Encyclopedia, read it so much that the binding has broke. <laughs> and she knows like ran you know, we go to the you know, one way I got my daughter to kick off on reading was we would go uh the way the, where her school is, it's next to a, a comic book store. So every Friday we would stop at the comic book store and we'd, be, you know, I'm like, you could pick out a few comics, and that's kind of how she got into it. Also, wow, was, that's just great. Was, you know, and she's, you know, she doesn't care if the character is female or or male. You know, she's was big on Captain America for a while. Um, then she got into that whole like, I forget what they're called, but like Squirrel Girl and all those people. Wow! Um, wow! You know all those characters, those like female, like like teenage female strong ones. I think the two of you. Oh, speak. What am I talking about? This is what I wanted to ask you, and I'm glad I thought because I was going to say, why don't you and your daughter go see Spider Man No Way Home? Right. Well, we have to, but I, apparently one of the one of the guys who did all the, the Polar Express stuff, or you know, those guys are all like really big, you know, fans of comic books. Those behind the scenes tech guys. And I was like, how is it? He goes, dude, it's incredible. And I feel like I missed I missed the Andrew Garfield ones. And he said, it helps if you've seen them all um, because it kind of ties them all in. He goes, I don't want to ruin it for you. He goes, but Spider-Verse sort of opened this all up for them. And if you've seen it, you probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. Um, so he's like, you probably want to see them all. I goes, and my daughter's actually slow on Spider-Man's because they're not on any – you know, Disney doesn't carry them on the Disney Plus. Yeah, Spider Man's in that weird. Ter- it's not Marvel, but it is. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's just Sony technically. Um, it is. Sony- it is Marvel, but the ownership is 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 really wonky. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we're my daughter has seen two of the the first two, so we're just trying to catch up, um, and and just see a few more before we go and see it. Um, but the reason but- I brought that up is because like you have an uncredited role in the 2002 spider-man right yeah so i'm in the first spider-man and i was cut and here's 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 why i think i was cut um so i'm in the wrestling scene with spider-man and macho man oh nice um and i was playing a a a fan right and i you know listen i'm a heavy set guy but i don't like to i don't like to comment on being heavy set for that being the joke and one of the other actors that was there with with me like shoves a hot dog in his mouth and and you know it's sort of like the fat guy eating a hot dog thing. Right. And so I didn't want to do that. So when they said action, I improvised this whole and this is in front of like 200 extras and Toby Maguire and <laughs> Macho Man and I improvised like this whole thing about you know cuz Spider-Man's wearing like that really bad costume and and I improvised this whole thing like kill the little nerd and I'm like yelling all this stuff and when they say cut like 
all 200 people like cheer for me. <laughs> and the, the first assistant director is looking at me like, dude, don't ever do that again. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's looking at me like, that ain't going to make the movie. But I just felt like this was my one chance. I'm going to try to do something else. Um, you know, I still get residuals for Spider-Man. Um, you know, I'm, um, you know, they, you know, it's a sad job, you know, whether you get cut or not, doesn't matter. And so I just felt like I wanted to do something else than shove a hot dog in my face. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know where to start how, with how impressive that is. One, you're in a, in a classic Spider-Man movie. Two, you're with uh, Macho Man, which is phenomenal. Like there's so much awesomeness going on in that like scene. Um, you know, the other, the, your improvisation reminds me of, um, there's a movie called Bruno with Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. And he, um, in the middle of the scene, he, like he's obviously messing with the director, uh, but everyone else doesn't know, you know, what he's tr going to do. Like they're doing this big, serious court scene and he's playing this extra and he, they, it's like six takes. One of them, he, he lights a cigarette in a courtroom. Like it's just, it's so zany and off the wall. He decides to improv in all the wrong ways, but you got me thinking of that. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, your, your career is a pretty amazing one. I mean, um, how do you like, and this will be the last question I'm in your filmography. Then I have a quick question about your life. Um, Friday the 13th. How do you like the horror genre? Is there a genre that you prefer, Chris, or is it, you know what, if the part's good, the part's good. Yeah. You know, listen again, I'll just, you know, look, it, it's a job, right? So, so there's always that aspect of it, but you know, a movie like, like Friday the 13th, um, I rarely have these kind of opportunities, but, you know, Jordana Brewster, um, the actress, her husband, uh, Jordana and I are really good friends. And I know her husband, who was the producer of that at the time. And um, he called me and said, hey, man, would you audition for this, uh, you know, a couple roles? Jordana says you're great and I'd love to see you. And so I auditioned for one other role. I think it was a little more going on in it, right? A little more, you know, dialogue or maybe a couple scenes versus one. And, um, and again, by this time I'd put my ego aside, you know, that whole thing of, you know, making it and being in a big movie, a little movie. And it's just like, you know, work is work, man. And, and knowing that, you know, listen, Friday, Friday the 13th is going to do something every actor wants, which is it's going to go to theaters and it's going to be seen by millions of people. And that's the name of the game, right? That's, that's yep. the greatest thing. That's what, that's what I want. I want to be in stuff that's seen, you know, I'm in, you know, Barry coming out next year or, or whenever the season uh, releases. And, and that's great. You know, one, cause it's a good show, but two, cause everyone's going to see it. You know, that's, that's mostly what you want for your career, even if it's just a couple lines. And, and with, with, with Friday the 13th, man, I just, I showed up on like the, like the last week of filming, the cast was all like screwing around and they were all like buddies and it was very uh, incestuous, right? They're all like on all inside jokes. It was really kind of hard to, you know, come in there and work and they, they, they weren't giving me any space to improvise and so I don't know if you've seen my, you know, my thing is really small on it, but I, I may, I'm, I'm, I can make this fart sound with my mouth and it's sort of like, and so I, I did that in the movie and everyone just busted up. Like after, I mean, it was hard to keep a straight face. They all like, I, I ruined, they ruined a couple takes and anyway, I delivered that to it and it's like became synonymous within that group of me doing this fart sound. But I mean, I just, you know, I found a way in. The only reason I did the fart sound was because they wouldn't let me talk. And so I just found a, a little a little space and made this noise. 
and um and it worked and you know uh i loved being in friday the 13th i mean that is you know that is a it's you know it's a little weird that one they go that way his origin story which i think is just silly but um but the movie did well and and again the name of the game is being in stuff that's seen man when i did here's how you know stuff is seen that movie came out and i didn't even pay attention to it coming out right it came out on like thursday night or friday right and i went out with friends that night my phone is dinging like every every like 25 minutes and it's just really lovely. I just went to see Friday the 13th. I loved it. Like just people were just calling me and calling me and calling. And it was just like, man, that is that is the name of the game. Mm. Is like being in stuff that is seen. Like that is the greatest thing about it. And so I'm I'm really proud of it. And I love being in in horror films, man. It's so much fun. Yeah, man, you could do it all for sure. Um, you know, you were born on with this. You were born in Brooklyn. You you go to Laguna Beach, and I feel like you never really found yourself there. And if I'm misspeaking, please correct me. And, and I feel like, didn't you guys, uh, Chris, um, didn't you not feel, I mean, maybe it was a variety of reasons. You moved to California because of your dad's work. Um, does it, it doesn't seem right to you, right? It's never really a good fit for you. Am I, am I looking at that correctly? You know, what it was, it was, I mean, I, I'm a really, you know, look, I'm, I'm a, I'm a gregarious outgoing guy. So down to earth. Yeah, yeah, and you you put me anywhere and I'll I'll make friends. Right. It wasn't wasn't like I wasn't able to make friends. It's just I was around a bunch of blue-eyed, blonde-haired surfers and I'm not that. You know, I, mm. I became very aquatic there. Like I have my scuba license and I know how to surf and you know, I body surf and I'm just very aquatic in that, right? And those things are still really important to me and I'm really glad I know them and I, I love the ocean more than anything because of my my time living there. And there was a moment when I lived there. I remember this very this was very clear to me. I was sitting on my surfboard with my buddy. It was like late August and it was, you know, it was perfect, right? The waves were kind of perfect. It was in between sets. The water was warm. And I was like, I wanted to be an actor. And I remember thinking, this is so comfortable. Why would you ever leave this? And I was just like, this is great. Like, this is life. Like, I could, I could be here forever. This is perfect. And then I was like, no, man. I want I gotta leave here. And then there was a moment in my life where where I almost had to reinvent myself, you know, when I when I when I found acting, and that hit me hard like a like a ton of bricks. I had to leave that world and I didn't go back there for a while. And I have like some of my dearest friends are there, right? I got on I, you know, I have friends in every aspect of my life. I have my movie friends. I have my friends from high school and growing up. I have my friends from Brooklyn. I have my friends, you know, I've done two movies in Italy. I have that whole group of people over there um, that I'm really good friends with. And, you know, that's my thing. I, I find strength in numbers. And so, um, but leaving Laguna was was you know I had to like leave it and become an artist you know and 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 now I go back there and I, now I can go back there but there was a while where I just could not go back and wasn't there was anything wrong with it it wasn't wasn't anything political it wasn't anything it was just I I needed to I needed to reinvent myself in a way that um, validated myself right because my friends from home like you know they you know you know your friends from home they're like oh really you're gonna do that. They kind of they can they can plant seeds of doubt and they don't even mean to do it in a in a mean way, right? They're just joking with you. But you know, seeds of doubt are dangerous, man, especially for young artists. So um I tried to stay away from that, you know, and, and the the because 
the acting that I learned um, was, you know, I learned the method, but I also like, I tap into everything. Like I did 12, 12 summers of Shakespeare and I've done, you know, uh, Italian clowning for a year. Um, I've studied a lot of dance because my teacher, my acting teacher had a master's in dance. So she made me learn modern dance and I'd studied modern dance for two years. And then I studied ballroom for a little bit just to know my body. And, um, so there's a lot that I, I feel like if, if, and when I become just the next level up, I may skip a couple of levels and go to another whole level in in that regard because because I have a lot of stuff that I don't even think people know that I have in terms of my um, my skill set. Yeah, I'm not betting against you. That's for sure. Um, you have you you're just a really talented guy, and the fact that you bring your daughter to comic book store like that makes it even more like that solidifies how good of a dude you are. Well, comic books comic book stores are about the coolest place in the world, and. And you know my re my re uh, you know meeting them so to speak with my daughter, um, I just forgot how good they are, man. Like I, I, I it's funny because when we went to the comic book store, I went to the guy at the counter and I you know we we did the whole thing with my daughter. Where I'm like, where can she shop? And he's like, okay, this and this this. And now they know her, so when she walks in, they 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 direct her to where she wants to go. Um, they told me the whole rating system of comic books, and I said, well, I'd like to read some of those older, you know comics for adults and i read a couple of them like the one the preacher and uh oh nice yeah and there, there's the other one the, the famous one that uh, neil gaiman writes um uh i'm blanking on it but you know what i'm it's it's a very famous comic um but i i liked them but then i started just reading the ones my daughter had like you know and you know uh some captain america and I was just like, Shh, these are really good, man. I don't need to read, you know, I don't need to read the adult ones. I, I like this, this stuff, man. I, there's, there's something about it, you know. I mean, there's just something about those comics, you know, reading, uh, I've read She-Hulk and I've read, um, I tried to, <laughs> I tried to quiz the guys at the comic book store and like catch them in a, in like a lie that they don't know everything, but they do. Um, <laughs> I said, do you guys, cause my daughter's encyclopedia. I said, you guys, uh, you guys have any comics on slapstick? And they go, yeah, we've got three, uh, right over here. And I'm like, shut the front door. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I have a few comic books, uh, on, on slapstick and, um, yeah, no comics are great, man. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's too bad because I, th- I feel like kids are so lost on, in their cell phones today that a lot of them don't realize the excellence of, you know, that that they actually, you can actually read them before they get to the screen. And this, that's great. It just reinforces your knowledge, right? But 100%. Hey. And there's usually like, like a book in that sense, right? There's even more there, right? Because they can't either put it in the movie or they, they want to take the story another way. That there's just so much more there. Um, That's right. When you're watching the movie, it's like you're you're, you're kind of getting the icing on the cake, but it's so much deeper, right? It's that that yeah, that, yeah. That's the smartest thing that Marvel's doing, right? They're they're it's so inventive, you know, with Loki and and even Hawkeye, which I didn't really have a lot of uh, enthusiasm about, but it was I was really impressed with it, man. Like they just have a way of like WandaVision. I mean, dude, whether you like it or not, that's beside the point. The point is, is that they, they did something that is so inventive and creative. Yeah, I agree. That it's like it's so cool, man. That it that that alone will keep you interested, even if you hated it. Yeah, yeah. watch just to get more mad at it. 
Um, it's so good. Uh, I'm very impressed with them. I wish that uh, Disney had the same approach the, and the excitement they had with The Mandalorian and brought that over to the last... I mean, I, I, I didn't hate the last three Star Wars as, as much as, as some people did. There's, there's some rabid fans out there that... Really hated The Last Jedi, really hated The Rise of Skywalker. I think The Last Jedi is an underrated movie, but either or. But I just feel like when people watch The Mandalorian, and I don't know if you're a Star Wars guy. Uh, I, I am, and I, 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 I'm not enough in – I mean, of course I am, um, you know, but I'm not – like I'm, I'm looking forward to Boba Fett. I've not gotten around to it yet. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I didn't – there's only moments in Mandalorian. I've watched all The Mandalorian. There's only moments I like. Like I love the um, – Oh God, I'm blanking on his name. The the black actor with the Italian name. Um uh he's so great. Um that Ooh. whole that whole Darth Vader story with him. Um uh Oh, 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 he was in Better Call Saul, right? Uh, uh Yes. Okay, yes. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blanking on his name, but um he like I love that whole storyline that they're going there that with. But like, you know, and I like the Grigu stuff, it's super cute. Um, and I love the first Carlo Esposito. I had to look it up. Giancarlo. There you go. Yeah. Love that whole storyline where they're going with that. Um, but I wasn't, I mean, listen, I watched every episode. Um, so let me so, ask you if they, if they approach that excitement in the theater yeah. where the, the very last episode where you finally see Skywalker coming to get, you know, baby Yoda, the crowd would have gone ape shit at ape that shit. moment. Chris. I mean, that's one of my goals right now. As I told my daughter the other day, because we were watching, we were watching the trailer for Boba Fett. This was about two weeks ago before it came out, and my wife came in. And I go, so this is a goal, and she goes, what being on Boba Fett? I go, not even Boba Fett. Just, just being in the Star Wars universe is like I, I, that's the only moment that I might get starstruck <laughs> and have to like focus. You know, if I'm wearing any of those costumes and being on any of those sets. Um, I would be supremely stoked um, because I just think uh, – and I think I, – I agree with you about the whole – look, I think Disney will will find itself. They did what they wanted to first, which I think they wanted to make money. Yeah. And so they made some money, right? They're, they're killing it with it. They've already made their money back and then some. And so and so now they've got this this – you know, they've got one of the biggest jewels in cinema. And so now, what do you do with it? And then you know, well, you know, Boba Fett. I've not, uh, I've not seen it yet, so I can't comment on it. But, um, but I'm excited. Hopefully, they they turn the corner, and maybe some of those Marvel guys come over and help them. I mean, what's his name is over there? Um, the guy who made Iron Man. Um, uh, he heads up Mandalorian, doesn't he? Yeah, Dave. Uh, uh, come on. No, John Favreau. John Favreau, but the the, the head is. Um, why am I blanking on this? Yeah, both you and I, who are who know their shit usually, yeah, um, are not. You know, I usually know as, Dave. As, Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is is was like George Lucas. That's the name I was like. Dave Filoni is like is like Lucas's right hand man. He is. I, I would put him ahead of Favreau, and then they're like one A, one B. But but Filoni's the guy. If they follow him into the future with Star Wars movies, uh, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, and they've, they've done some nice stuff with the kid for the kids, like the Lego stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. But that's that's just that's just super cute. But I I'd like some stuff for me, um, you know. So <laughs> yes, uh, yes. From a selfish standpoint, I'd like some adult stuff that's that's killer. Hey Chris, thank you so much for giving me an hour of time. Chris Coppola, I can't thank you enough for. I, I got to tell you, you're one good dude, and I 
I wish you nothing but success down the road, my friend. Oh, man, you too. Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, well, uh, from your mouth to God's ears. Thank you for listening to Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can also connect with Monday Morning Critic on Instagram and Facebook, MDM Critic on Twitter, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. All episodes available, www.mmcpodcast.com.